Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase, every day. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. I'm so glad to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show. You know, our mission is to serve you with information, with knowledge that empowers you so you can make better financial decisions in your life. One decision I don't want you to make is using your retirement accounts as a piggy bank when you need cash. I just read some stats recently about how common and often people use it as their savings account. I'm also excited about something Apple is going to do a change that is going to make life a lot easier for people who are Android communicating with iPhone, iPhone communicating with Android. I'll tell you about it, why it happened. So this is one of the hardest things that the architects of retirement plans had to wrestle with in the Congress, that there was this feeling that if retirement accounts, either IRAs or 401ks or 403bs, if they were structured where the money went in, but it could not be touched under any conditions until retirement, that people would be afraid to contribute to it. So there are safety valves with retirement accounts that allow you access to your funds during your working lifetime. There's even with 401ks, there are certain circumstances that qualify for a hardship withdrawal. And if an employer permits, you're allowed to borrow from your 401k balance. With a traditional IRA or a Roth, you can withdraw money with a traditional, you're going to get hit with a 10% tax penalty and the income tax for pulling money out with a Roth as long as you only pull money from contributions, there's no tax at all. If you pull money you've earned on it, then you're subject to penalty in that case. So the safety valve is there for that reason. And I think about what Congress did with the change they made to 529 college savings plans that apparently a lot of parents were reluctant to contribute a meaningful amount of money to 529 plans because they were worried what happens if my kid doesn't go to college? What happens with that money? And under the tax code as it existed, there were these very large penalties and tax that was owed, where if the money was used for college, it was tax-free. And that's why Congress, in its wisdom, did a smart thing. You now have the ability to convert that money to a Roth and avoid tax. And so this thing creates this big dilemma in my mind, because I get it, that if the Congress had been a benevolent dictator and said, once you contribute money to a retirement plan, you can't access it till your legal retirement age, which Congress has designated as 59 and a half, that then money would go in and it would grow. But then the danger would be that people might be reluctant to put the money in because of the what ifs. So I am completely conflicted about this, but then really upset to tell you that New data from Fidelity Investments finds that one in six people 
have outstanding loans right now on their 401ks. That's not even the number percent that have done loans in the past. That's just right at this moment. One in six people have loans. And it's pitched that you're borrowing from yourself and you're paying yourself back. But that's not accurate because when you look at the long-term play of stock-type investments, and a lot of this money is in targeted retirement funds, and your money overwhelmingly is in stock-type choices, that the gains you'll have over the years are so meaningful that pulling money out periodically and loans from the plan significantly reduces the amount of money you'll have in retirement. And I get it, because there can be circumstances where your financial house is burning down and you need the money to put the fire out. And that's why sometimes people borrow from 401ks. Other times, it's lifestyle. So if I could draw any line here, it would be that. That if there's a situation where your finances are dire, you're going to have your house foreclosed on, you're going to have your car repossessed, something like that, borrowing from your 401k, I get it. On the other hand, a lot of times people borrow from a 401k because they got into credit card debt bad idea. Bad idea. Because historically, anytime somebody does any kind of new borrowing for credit card debt, what happens is that the typical person in 18 months has charged the credit cards back up and now has done the alternate borrowing like from a 401k. So anytime it's something that I would put in the difficult financial situation, but not a pending disaster like losing the roof over your head or losing the wheels you need to get to work and to take your kids to school or whatever, that would be the exception where borrowing from a 401k, I can see that. But other things, it's very hard for me to see circumstances where it would make sense to do so because the purpose of putting money in the 401k, putting money in the IRA, Putting money in the sometimes really crummy 403B plans, sometimes okay, is the whole idea is to create financial security later in life, and you don't want to erode that security with a current borrow from your 401k. Krista? Charlene in California wrote in, and she said, I wanted to give feedback about uni by e-pass. Oh, boy. <laughs> On a recent trip to Florida, I used my uni in a rental car. On the last day, a Sunday, I returned my rental at 4.45 a.m., disabled the uni transponder on the app, and removed it from the rental. I thought this would have been the end of my toll charges. However, to my horror, I noticed the toll charges continued to accrue on my account. When I called ePass customer service, they said that in order to disconnect the transponder from the rental, I needed to replace the rental license plate number with my personal car's plate number, otherwise charges would continue to accrue. I told them I didn't have a personal car. They said in that case, the only way to remove the rental's license plate from my account would have been to call them, but they aren't even open on Sundays when I return my rental car. They've refused to credit me the charges and have also said I need to pay off my balance in order to use the uni again. Please warn your listeners about this unscrupulous business practice. Charlene, gosh, I can't believe what a great product the transponder is 
And then at the same time, how many customer no service problems we've heard from people about it. This is done by a quasi-governmental authority in the state of Florida. It is a multi-state toll reader that works, I think, in about 18, 20 states and is an enormous benefit to rental car customers, except for all the problems. I mean, do we go more than two weeks without hearing another complain about this toll pass? I mean, it's pretty common. First things first, you're in an unusual situation, Charlene, that you don't have a personal car. You don't have a car that you can replace the tag or plate number with that deactivates continuing to charge you for whatever use somebody makes in that car. So here's the thing. This is what confuses people. This toll reader is a thing with two suction cups that attaches to the windshield of whatever rental car you're in. And you assign it to the license plate or tag of the rental car you're in. It reads that and charges you for the tolls instead of paying the much higher price you have to pay the rental car company for those tolls. So it's a really good product, except if you put your toll reader back in your suitcase or purse or whatever, and you fly home, you think you're done, but you're not because under the uni system, even if the toll reader's not there, they're charging you every time that plate or tag goes through a toll, even though the reader's not in the vehicle anymore, unless you've removed that tag or plate number from the app. It is a complete problem with it, and I feel like I should rescind my recommendation of having this toll reader. But before we do that, I think we should call the, the toll authority. I think it's called the East-West Central Expressway Toll Authority or something. I'll help you find mm-hmm. who it is we talk to. Talk to their media spokesperson because we're just hearing too many problems with this. It was a good solution to a problem and obviously comes with its own set of problems. And telling you you just lose the money is a non-answered answer and is abusive to you. Brian in Ohio says, my 18-year-old daughter just got a job at a retail store. She's currently a full-time college student and got the job to help pay for college. Her employer routinely keeps her one to two hours past her scheduled shift. I understand that there may be things that need to be done after the scheduled time, but this employer is taking advantage of its employees. Is there someone I can report this to? So Brian, the reporting is if your daughter's not being paid for the extra hour or two. If your daughter's being paid, it is routine in retail that people are held past their scheduled shift hours. It happens all the time with mandatory overtime. If she's not being paid, if she's a college student in the state of Ohio, the Ohio State Labor Department would have a wage and hour department. The feds have one as well. She would file complaints there because if she's not being paid, that is against the law. If she is being paid and the employer is being abusive by keeping her too many hours, there's so many jobs in retail and other things right now, she should just go find another job, might even pay more per hour if she's got experience now, and look for another place to work. 
the whole test here, whether it's a governmental thing, is are they paying her? And if they're paying for the hours, then it's just a situation where she feels abused. That's why she goes to look for another job. But if it's off the clock additional hours, whole different thing. Well, coming up ahead, we're going to talk about Apple and not whether you like a Macintosh or a delicious, Red Delicious or whatever. We're going to talk about that company, Apple, the world's most valuable company, and something they're doing that they shouldn't have been doing, and they got caught, and they're not going to do it anymore. I'll tell you what it is and how it might benefit you. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia, identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Apple has had a very promotional Christmas this year. I mean, they've been playing Santa Claus, which they usually don't. This Christmas season, Apple's had deal after deal after deal on MacBooks, on iPhones, on iPads, and the AirPods have all repeatedly been on sale, which is a big change because Apple used to hold very much to retail required third parties that sold its products hold to retail. But Apple is in a different business now. Apple is in what's known as the network effect business. Everything is about getting Apple devices in people's hands and that once they're in their hands, that they can then sell them various services like the iCloud and have this as a way to make ongoing subscription revenue But it starts with getting the devices, the hardware, in people's hands. That's why there's been such a change in Apple's marketing strategy. If you're a longtime iPhone user, you remember where Apple would have one iPhone they sold at a time. That was it. One version, one phone, you used it, and that was the end of the story. And then Apple realized Samsung had a better strategy with phones. Samsung outsells Apple worldwide, not in the United States. And Samsung has always had this thing where the idea is to get people into Samsung's orbit. And they sold Samsung phones at all different capabilities and price levels down to phones under $100 to phones that are $2,000 and everywhere in between. And Apple now does that And then the biggest change is Apple now discounts. So this is great news for you if you live in the Apple orbit. Apple also did something with what's known as the walled garden. You know, the blue dot, green dot thing? That's about if you're in a group chat 
and you're trying to participate with an Android, it does not work. The functionality to clients, if you're just sending to one person, the messages will go. But if you're part of a group chat and you're the oddball who has an Android, you're like behind an impenetrable wall. And Krista, you found this repeatedly as part of the tennis league you're in. Is that right? I'm in a neighborhood tennis team. And every single person on this team is Apple except me. I have the only Android. And they were trying to add me to the list after. And they couldn't do it. Like you can't add somebody into the chat later. So I had to have someone else sending me the messages because I didn't get any of the text messages. They have to start a whole new group. And I suggested WhatsApp, but they said maybe next season. Yeah, right. (laughs) They're not going to have to worry about it next season because there were internal documents that the European Union got a hold of that violated European law where Apple was all these internal communications that they were making it difficult for people with Androids to be able to communicate with people on iPhones. And you should see if you send a picture or video from somebody, particularly a video from Apple to Android or Android to iPhone, it's unrecognizable. It gets so compressed. It's and crazy. they did it just on purpose. And when Tim Cook was asked about this in a speech, this guy said, well, my mom has trouble receiving my messages. And he said, buy her an iPhone. (laughs) Well, turned out that it was all part of this master plan by Apple to try to force people to iPhones. The European Union said, no, you're not doing that. And so starting, I don't know if it's going to start January 1 or sometime in January, you're going to be able iPhone communicate with Android people. Android people are going to be able to communicate with iPhone. One big happy family is Apple is adopting the world standard and communications will work just fine. You're still going to be blue dot. (laughs) You're still going to be a green Green dot dot, instead of a blue dot, but it'll actually go. I remember a funny thing. A dentist, young dentist was telling me that he was on a uh, Samsung Ultra something, something. And he said it was really hurting his dating life. That there were so many women who wouldn't go out with him because he was popping up as a green dot. Okay, well, that's a good way of weaving out people that you wouldn't want to date anyway. That's I don't crazy. know. He went and got an iPhone and he misses his Samsung. And wow. he said his dating life improved. When that's, he, that's insane. I'm telling the truth. That's, that's what he told crazy. me. Wow. Of all the things to yeah. reject someone for. But anyway, um, it's it's good. It's like peace on earth and harmony that Android and iPhone are actually going to work together in the new year. And it's funny, this, this Hatfields and McCoy thing with Samsung. Do you know Apple is one of Samsung's biggest customers? Really? I did yeah, not Apple know that. Apple buys all kinds of technology from Samsung. Wow. And then at retail, fights them tooth and nail. That's hilarious. Yeah. I mean, the technology world is an interesting world. But anyway, it's good to see that you will no longer be ostracized. I'm not going to miss a match. That's right. You're <laughs> going to show up to your tennis match. And you were the most competitive athlete I've ever met. No. Not necessarily the top of the athletic food chain, but you were no. the most competitive athlete no. I've ever met. No, no. And is I'm, there ever an athletic event that you don't fight to win to the last second? Well, what are, what are you supposed to do? <laughs> what are you talking about? 
<laughs> All right, we'll go to questions. Kevin in Pennsylvania says, last week I had an incident. My riding mower caught on fire. And when I was no trying way. to put the fire out for the nearby cornfield, I lost my breath and felt like I was going to pass out. The ambulance showed up to check me out. I recovered without going to the hospital. The ambulance service just sent me a $600 bill and it states in the letter that it's not covered by insurance. Any suggestions on how I should proceed with this $600 bill? So first of all, Kevin, do not automatically assume that the ambulance is not covered by your insurance, at least in part. This is a problem, and we've addressed it before on the podcast. I did so in my TV work as well, that the ambulance market is a complete wild west in the country. It is a terrible problem because you don't, call an ambulance service with an app and decide which ambulance service you're going to use based on how much money it says it's going to be for them to show up. It's just a complete unknown. The insurers are at war with the ambulance service bills. And the one who's getting squeezed every time is you, the customer, in this case, patient, patient, customer, same thing. So a couple of things with ambulances. First, The retail amount they're telling you you owe is subject to negotiation. The power you have is until you paid. Second, if you do have insurance, make sure it really is accurate that they do not cover ambulance charges at all. Yeah. Can I also say, I just got an ambulance bill from my father and it said insurance paid zero on there. But I called them and they never got the insurance information because it was an ambulance situation. So I gave them the insurance information and then they filed it and it was paid. So it could be as simple as that. So know that this is an ongoing battle royale. And what I talked about recently about this is how often Ubers and Lyfts have become the alternative to ambulances because so many people have heard these horror stories about these very large ambulance bills they're taking a risk being just getting transport to the hospital instead of having trained medical personnel attending to you first. That's why some jurisdictions, ambulance service is a government taxpayer-supported thing. Others, it's a private marketplace, and it's hard no matter how this plays. There's a cost for that ambulance service coming with professionals who attended to you decided you didn't need to be transported, and your condition was okay. On the other hand, what I worry about is next time something happens to you, it could be a matter of your life on the line that those first responders from the ambulance company might save your life, but you don't call them because of what happened this time with the bill for the calls following the lawnmower catching on fire. And I wonder... How often does a lawnmower catch on fires? It's a pretty scary scary. thing, particularly with the cornfield next door. Yeah. Okay. Cindy in Florida says, I went out to eat on vacation out of state. I gave the waiter tip money in cash and put zero on the tip line. I got home and checked my credit card and the waiter added a tip. Should I start (sighs) writing no tip instead of zero? Someone said to take a picture of your receipt after you sign it so you'll have proof. I also read someone writes out the amount at the bottom of like on a check where they sign on the receipt. I will be calling the place and ask to speak to the manager about the tip, and I may call the credit card company too. How many people check their credit card statements against their receipts after they get home? 
Probably not many. I wonder how many people this waiter has done this to. So first of all, most servers are going to be completely honest, aren't going to pull a stunt like this, but it does happen with frequency. My brother takes a copy of his restaurant receipt every time he eats out. He has a scanning program Mm -hmm. on his phone that scans in receipts, and he reconciles against his credit card statement when it comes in every month, and that way he can find discrepancies like that. What I do is I write on there, if I leave the cash tip, which I like to do, and I have not used the credit card for tip, I write in the tip line on table and then total it so that there's no question. Because if you put zero, 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 somebody can come back later and write in money to the left of that and you've tipped twice. I would be very surprised if you call and talk to the manager or owner of the restaurant if they don't fix this right away. John in Utah says, I booked a mistake fare on JetBlue Airlines. It was round trip to Warsaw for $200. Wow. I received a confirmation code, but I never received an email with the flight details. I went back into the JetBlue site and found the tickets were never booked. I called customer no service and they told me that my payment was declined. I confirmed with my credit union that this was untrue. JetBlue now tells me that I am welcome to book again at the current rate, $800. Gee, thanks. Do I have any recourse? So, John, this thing with the mistake fares happens constantly. JetBlue doesn't even fly to Warsaw, so it would have been a joint venture flight of some kind. They maybe someday will fly to Eastern Europe or Central Europe, but right now they don't. So, with mistake fares, airlines are allowed to say, oops, and not honor the fare, or they can I read the travel blogs every day, and these come up several times a week where there will be a mistake fare, and sometimes an airline honors, sometimes they don't. There was an Asian airline, and I forget which one, that recently made a mistake, and the fare, I think, was one cent. Oh, wow. was loaded in the system, and they honored the fare for people who got the one cent fares. And they probably got enough publicity out of that and all the news stories that it turned out to be cheap advertising for them. But JetBlue, instead of saying your card was declined, should have said, we don't honor that mistake fare. And they would have been within their rights to do so. It's unfortunate. This has been a problem for the airline industry for 40 years that there have been mistake fares And the airlines have still not figured out exactly what to do when there is a mistake fare. Have you ever taken a mistake fare? Yes. I think we've gone a mistake fare for the staff trip before. I remember we did an American Airlines deal years ago where uh, we took the whole staff to Albuquerque, New Mexico for $68 round trip from the East Coast. Then Hawaii for 182 round trip from the East Coast on United. Both were mistake fares. I remember I booked a mistake fare, like through Delta, it was Korean air flight. Do you remember this? It was like business class for like, it I was don't know, a thousand round trips. Yeah, I remember. And I was waiting, praying I'd get the confirmation, but it didn't come and it was a mistake fare. But they actually gave me some sky miles for that, which was- I Some sky very, pennies? Yeah, very kind of them. Wow, that's great. Yeah, so that actually worked out for yeah. you. They gave you a consolation prize. Yep. When they didn't honor the fare. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I wish I could tell you that JetBlue had to fly you to Warsaw for 200 but it's their choice in that case, as with any airline with these mistake fares. Sometimes the fares are so cheap, and they meant to make them that cheap, and then you're flying it a great deal, but unfortunately not this time. And I want to tell you, we have five days now till Christmas, five days. And that's five days for you to continue to help out with our 33rd year of Clark's Christmas Kids, where we take care of the wishes of children in foster care. If you have it in your heart and your wallet to help us out, love for you to see how you can help at ClarksChristmasKids.com. And I thought I would really quickly read, like if you're giving money or doing whatever, I wanted to read a couple of wish list examples so you can hear what you'd be doing. So this is from a 17-year-old girl, and she is in foster care and she wants uh, books and we have age appropriate books. She's a girl after my heart. She also wants a speaker, like a wireless speaker and a skateboard with helmet. She sounds super cool. So, so just to tell you, none of the kids ask for helmets. Yeah, we, we just make require them they wear and then have a helmet, even if they don't wear it, that they have one. And I see a, another list for a three-year-old girl who wants dolls, a doll house and Lego Duplo blocks. And these kids, when they're children in foster care, when they go home to home and they move many times in a year, they go with one trash bag with their possessions. I mean, they have a tough time. And if you can help them out, I'd really appreciate it. Thank you so much and have a great day.